This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of But God Can, How to Stop Striving and Live Purposefully and Abundantly, written and narrated by Becky Kaiser and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. Hey friends, welcome to the Grace Enough podcast. I am your host, Amber Cullum. Each episode, I sit down with a guest to discuss their life journey and how the grace of God has impacted them along the way. After listening to today's episode, I hope you are encouraged that God can use you right now in the midst of your day-to-day life. Yes, it requires daily surrender and trust, but we must remember His grace is enough. Welcome to episode 39 of the Grace Enough podcast. Today's conversation is with Jeannie Cunyon. Jeannie is the author of Parenting the Wholehearted Child and Mom Set Free. Jeannie shares about the early years of parenting and how the mindset that she had to be a perfect example to her children really hindered her joy in being a parent. Today we talk about her journey of embracing her brokenness and God's grace and how her parenting has changed in light of that grace. And just so you know, both of us had our three-year-olds at home that day and they make an appearance. I hope you enjoy this honest, real-life conversation between two moms who desperately need Jesus. Good morning, Jeannie. Welcome to the Grace Enough podcast. Thank you for being here this morning. Thank you for having me. Will you go ahead and take a moment, introduce our listeners to you and your family, and tell everyone a little bit about what you do? Um, So my name is Jeannie Cunyon, and um, my husband's name is Mike. We have five boys, uh, a three-year-old a 10-year-old tomorrow, so that's exciting. It's his golden birthday, turning 10 on the 10th. We have a 12-year-old, we have a 14-year-old, and then just about two months ago, we welcomed uh, an amazing young man from Haiti um, into our family. His name is Andre, and he's actually 22 years old, although he just graduated from high school. Uh, He grew up in an orphanage there in Haiti, an orphanage that we love and support and have visited several times. And so he is our newest Kanyan family member, and uh, he's in college. So we have five kids in five different schools right now. So, oh my goodness. <laughs> somebody said I should sign all of my emails hashtag See You Never. Yes, um, because you or know, like Carline I, Queen. <laughs> I mean, I don't even know. It's but it's good. I wouldn't trade it for the world. Um, we live in uh, New England, in Connecticut, um, just about forty-five minutes north of New York City, um, which is where my husband works. So although we're both from the South, uh, we've been here for almost 16, actually just over 16 years now. Um, So New England is now my home. Mm -hmm. I said to my son the other day, I never envisioned raising New England boys. You know, I just always thought we'd be a family in the South, but um, the Lord had different plans for us and they were good plans. So here we are. Well, so where are you from in the South? Well, I grew up in South Florida. Oh, okay. Um, Beach. Yeah. Um, but went to Auburn. I bleed orange and blue. Oh, yes. We have good friends. Our very best yeah. friends from Tampa are both Auburn grads. So Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, love it. And uh, my husband grew up in Atlanta. And both of our family, both of our parents um, live in the South. So we get back down there a lot. Um, but we're planted here in the Northeast. I know that is the benefit of we, all of my kids were born in Tampa and my husband is from the Clearwater area. And so all of his family is still there. And it's quite nice because it's, it's a really great place to travel and we still get to see family when we're there. So we go, Mm -hmm. you know, a couple times a year, sometimes more often, but um, it's nice to be able to go to the beach and hang out with family and know it's going to be warm all year round when you're there. So it's nice. Totally. I love the South. I love it so much. Well, and you are also an author. 
I am an author. Um, so my background is social work. I have a master's in social work and I did adoption work for gosh, 10, 12, 13 years, I think. Um, did birth parent counseling, home studies for potential adoptive families, worked in international adoption and really loved it. Thought that's what I would do forever. And, uh, about seven years ago, I said about seven years ago now, maybe eight years ago, I felt this bizarre new calling on my life um, that I didn't really understand, but just felt like the Lord was inviting me to start writing about what he was teaching me about his love and his grace and his goodness through motherhood. Um, At the time, my boys were three, five, and one, five, three, and one. And uh, as I write about in parenting, the wholehearted child, the wheels were coming off. Um, (laughs) I I mean, they were not coming off. They came (laughs) off. Um, and I was like, why is this so hard? And why am I so bad at this? Mm -hmm. And I was raised as a preacher's kid. My parents were incredible. I had a great example to follow. Um, I thought, you know, I had all the tools, you know, to make, make it such that motherhood just shouldn't be this hard and it shouldn't make me, um, so crazy and I shouldn't be this angry and I shouldn't be this impatient and I just wasn't the mom I thought I'd be. Yeah. And uh, that was the Lord's beautiful invitation to me to discover what his grace really is and how his grace really does change our lives and change our parenting. And so he was just drawing me closer. And I just really started on this journey um, in scripture. What is his grace and why? What does it speak into the hard places of motherhood? And then mm-hmm. I just felt like he was inviting me to share that, which I didn't understand because I wasn't a writer, hadn't taken a writing class. But as we all know, where the Lord calls, he equips. And so um, published my first book, Parenting the Wholehearted Child, back in 2014 um, and kind of thought it was a one and done. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, all right, thanks, Jesus. That was a really cool, exciting opportunity. And then a couple of years later, felt him inviting me to write about freedom. Mm. What does our freedom in Christ mean? And all these things, all these places that we get stuck as moms, we get stuck in fear and worry and shame and anger and guilt. And uh, and the Lord wants to set us free from all of those things so that we can parent um, in the adventure and the joy and the wonder in which he invites us into when we really recognize his sovereignty over our lives and over our kids' lives. And he wants to set us free from that pressure to get it all right. Um, and so that birthed my second book, uh, Mom Set Free, yeah. and also did a Bible study with Lifeway. So there's a trade book and a Bible study about how do we really find freedom from the pressure to get it all right? You know, those lies that say what we get right and what we get wrong will ultimately determine who our children become. Right. Um, and that's just not biblical. Yeah. Uh, and yet so many of us, I included, are parenting under that umbrella of it's all on us. And if we get it right, they'll turn out right. And if we get it wrong, they'll turn out wrong. And we take scripture and we even read it out of context. And we carry this burden that if we raise them right and we raise them in the Lord, then they'll never suffer. They'll stay on the right path. And the Lord has a much greater, more beautiful plan, but it's, it's more complicated. It's a little little more messy than that, you know? Exactly. Well, and that's what I, even with talking to my kids, sometimes I'm like, right now you're just a concrete thinker. You know, everything comes very black and white, but what you're going to learn as you get older, there's a whole shade of gray in the middle that is it's more complicated than that. Everything's not just yes, no. And that applies to mothering. Like 
yeah, yeah, it says if you train the child in the way he will go, he will not depart from it. Well, that's a prescription. That's not just a promise. We still have free will. You know, there's this kind of gray area in there where that's not always what happens. And what does yeah. that mean? But speaking of just parenting from grace, you, I know early on before you wrote that book, it said, you know, you parented from a place of you just had to get everything perfect. Right. And if you didn't get it all perfect, your kids weren't going to turn out okay. What was it like for you parenting during that time when in your mind it just felt like everything's got to be perfect or we're falling apart? You know, I think back to that time where there was just, there was so little joy. There was so little joy in the day-to-day because I was so focused on me getting it right. So, you know, it's that it's that pressure to be a perfect example for them to follow, which I know so many mamas feel that, you know, I have to be this perfect example to follow. Again, we can take scripture about letting our letting our instruction and our teaching align with our actions and and walking it out in front of them. And yet, one of the most beautiful things about grace is that God works through our weakness. Mm. And his goal is ultimately for our children's eyes to be on him, not on us. And so, although it can be um, something that we don't like is in our human nature, which is our sin and our weakness and our shortcomings, ultimately I began to understand that all of those areas are places where I am invited to say to my children, there is only one person who is never going to let you down. And it is not me. It is Jesus. And so I am so sorry that I raised my voice or I lost my patience or I let you down. I am so sorry, but there is grace for me. And I have received that grace and it allows me and empowers me to extend you grace when you get it wrong. I think one of the hardest things when I think back to that time when I was parenting more from that perfectionist place is that I was so much harder on my kids than I needed to be, than I should have been. You know, instead of realizing that I am a sinner parenting sinners, (laughs) I was trying to be, you know, a perfect mom trying to raise perfect kids. Mm -hmm. And there's this beautiful invitation to say, listen, I'm going to go to the cross alongside you. You know, I am a child of God. You are a child of God. We are both in need of grace and we are sinners covered by the righteousness of Christ. And it just allows us to to free up our children to be more human. And I don't mean to let sin run rampant in our right. homes. Grace yeah. is not an excuse or a pass to sin, but it is an opportunity to continually be reminded of how grateful we should be mm-hmm. that Jesus did what we could never do mm-hmm. and that he fulfilled that law in our place. And now he gives us this gift of grace, his righteousness. And that is something to be celebrated. I talk about this in parenting a whole heart job, but my son Cal, what really opened my eyes to it was he had one of those school projects, you know, where it's supposed to do one of those really sweet things where our kids are invited to... <laughs> do a card for mommy on Mother's Day. It's like, you know, describe your mom, draw this picture of your family. And then you open up the card and it's this beautiful, you know, it's supposed to say really beautiful, precious things about your family, right? Well, the kindness of God is that Cal's teachers didn't ask him to rewrite what he wrote. Yeah. And though in the moment it broke my heart and I cried and it was hard to read. It was a turning point in my life because basically what my little five-year-old said in his pre-K class was my little brothers cry a lot, which was true. They yell a lot. You know, um, my mom gets angry when I don't listen, but she lets me play on the computer. Oh, wow. That was basically what he wrote. Mm -hmm. And it was a major wake up call in my life that Mm. 
because I was trying so hard to get it all right, I was mostly getting it all wrong. And Jesus was like, Jeannie, I need you to know my grace so that you can extend that grace. Because I was actually raised in a very grace-filled home. But I am by nature a perfectionist. I am wired for order yes. and perfection. Me too, girl. Me too. And I don't love that part about me. Um, mm-hmm. And so, but I'm also learning to see you know, the good in those things when it comes under the uh, sovereignty of God and the grace mm-hmm. of God. Um, so anyways, that was a turning point for me and really just learning how to um, understand my weakness in the light of God's grace and know that that's not something to be ashamed of or feel guilty about, but it's always an invitation to return to the cross and just say, Jesus, nothing in my hands I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. Thank you that you never give up on me. Because grace isn't just a, um, grace doesn't just free us, it transforms us. And I think those have to be married, right? Grace isn't just um, free to go to the cross every time I mess up, but grace is actually a very transforming power in our lives, right? Guilt is not, but grace is. God actually transforms us by the fact that we know he doesn't give up on us and that keeps us returning to him. And it's in relationship with him that we're transformed. It's in getting to know him better that our hearts are transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I think that's so amazing about grace, that it doesn't just free us, it transforms us. Yes. And that subtle transformation that sometimes as moms, I think we don't even see it, but then I can look at some of my friends and say, you don't see that this area you've made progress in, but I see God totally changing you in that. Because even for me, like where I used to, you know, be explosive all the time, it's like, you know, no, I still make mistakes. And that's the beauty of being able to go back to the cross. But I do that far less than I used to. And that is God's work constantly in our lives of saying, I am transforming you. Yeah, it's it's so true. And I think we, I mean, the reality is as moms, we want to get it right because we love our kids so yes, much, yeah. right? Like we, we want to get, and part of it is just that perfection driven nature, but that there's also that, I just love you so much. Yeah. I don't want to mess up for you. You know, yeah. I don't want to treat you poorly. I don't want to say things I, ha- I regret and have to, and have to say, will you forgive me? Like, right. We don't want to do those things because we love them so much. Um, and so it's not a bad thing to want to get it right for right. them. Absolutely. But when we want to be on the throne, when we want to be worshipped by them, when we want to be looked at by them as flawless and invincible, that's where we have to step back and be like, well, who do I want on that throne? Do I want you looking to me mm-hmm. as your perfect example? Or ultimately, do I want everything in my life, whether it's where I get it right because you can see God working in my life, or I get it wrong because in this side of heaven, I'm going to continue to struggle with right. sin. In either one of those situations, do I want you looking at me or do I ultimately want your looking at Jesus looking at Jesus? Yeah. I would like to take a moment and interrupt this episode to introduce you to this week's affiliate. About a year ago, I learned about a shoe company when an Instagram friend posted about them online. I clicked over to the root collective, read their story and thought, I love those Lee boots with woven fabric on the back, but it was more money than I wanted to spend. As time passed and I interviewed the Root Collective's founder, Bethany Tran, for episode 17, I realized every Root Collective shoe tells a story, and that story includes women and men in Guatemala, hand-weaving fabric, hand-making leather boots, all while being paid a fair wage. I went back and purchased the pair of the month at the time, which is always 20% off, the Floral Gabby. And friends, I am not stretching the truth when I say every time I wear them, I receive a compliment. Then I purchased the SB booty with a gorgeous brown real leather toe and a navy and white handwoven fabric on the heel. My Root Collective shoes are now my favorite shoes. 
I believe in their mission and I love their products, so I became an affiliate. To find out this month's pair of the month and view their entire catalog, shop graceenoughpodcast.com slash TRC. That's graceenoughpodcast.com backslash TRC. Now back to this week's conversation. Well, so what did it look like in those early days when you just came to that realization? You know that God's giving you this opportunity to start writing and, you know, you're starting to try to really parent from a gospel grace-centered mentality. What do you feel like were some of those early changes? I think coming to, it's really what you just said a minute ago. It's really first coming to terms with the fact that I'm not going to be changed by tomorrow. You know, that that nowhere in scripture does God say, you know, he who began a good work in you will complete it by Friday. You <laughs> I know, love that. seriously, <laughs> you know, it's true. Yes. And I think we want that as parents. I think there's some writing around that idea that like, you know, within a certain number of days and a, a certain number of formulas, you know, you can get X, Y, and Z. Well, maybe, maybe on the outside you can. You know, but if there's not internal heart change, you know, all we're doing is raising rebels who will ultimately break free from the laws that we put in place that they're confined to because they're performing to expectation, but there's no internal heart change going on. And so, you know, you know, God said, he who began a good work in you will complete it on the day that Jesus Christ returns. That's right. And so sanctification is a lifelong process. Absolutely. Um, and I'm feeling that even now with, with my son who just started high school this year. I mean, I can't talk about it with getting like super emotional mm. because there's only four more years under this roof. And, and then it's just the beginning of another new beautiful season. Yeah. But there's so much that I want to give him and train him in, in, in ways that I want to love him and connect with him yeah. while he is still doing day-to-day life with us. And yet I still won't be the mom I want to be by the time he graduates from high school. I won't, I won't be her until I'm with Jesus right. in some sense, you know? That's right. So it's coming to terms with the fact that we are works in progress and there is always going to be, you know, I talk about how beauty and brokenness dance mm. just in life. You know, there's going to be these beautiful moments with them, but there's also going to be brokenness woven into it and getting okay with that um, and recognizing that Jesus will redeem all of that. Is So it's just these daily, I also think that it's a surrendering to the Holy Spirit. And that's really what the Lord is teaching me in this season of my life. You write, becoming the moms we long to be doesn't happen by trying harder to be better tomorrow, which is what we just talked about. Um, It happens by more deeply believing the gospel and allowing the grace of God to transform our own hearts first. Yes. Why does that gospel change everything? The fact that it's the Holy Spirit's work to do it in us, because I think that most moms like I start sentences with, I will be more patient today. Mm. I will be more loving today. I will, I will, I will. And I'm trying to change that language in my own life to, won't he do it? You know, it's really, it's a surrendering. Lord Jesus, I need you today to manifest your patience in me. I need you to manifest your tenderness in me, your gentleness in me. We did a a giveaway a couple months ago. Um, I partnered with a friend and we gave away some fun things. And we were talking about um, surrender. Mm -hmm. What do you want to surrender as a mom this summer? And most responses, as they should, started with, I will surrender blank, 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 Mm -hmm. right? I mean, that's a normal way to start a sentence. There's nothing wrong with it. I start my sentences that way. But it really struck me as I read through that, I just started praying for every mama that entered, that the Holy Spirit would infuse her life this summer and that we would all be 
um, take these clenched fists, which is a posture that I'm prone to this. I will, you know, I will do it. And that we would unclench those fists to an open handed position of surrender, you know, Holy spirit, uh, you will do this in me. And so that's such a powerful part of the gospel. It's that, you know, we are, we are saved by grace to walk freely in Jesus Mm. by the power of the Holy spirit. We don't do any of it. Right. Well, in our culture today, too, I love what you say, that perspective, because it's so easy to get caught up in this me, 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 I, 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 will, 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 you know, it's all about me. What can I do to set myself free when in reality, it really is what the Lord Jesus can do through you. See, here comes mine, too. (laughs) We both have our three-year-olds on our laps in this podcast. If you're listening, I want you to know this is real life right here. It is, uh, right? It is real life. We got three year olds meeting things while we talk about the gospel. I want to watch my nose. You what? I want to watch my nose. Okay, give me just one second and I'll come do that. He's so nice and quiet. Mine, uh, mine just talks so bad. Yeah, yeah. So sick. He just feels so yucky. Well, if you don't mind, I'm going to pause for just a second. All right, so. What would you say to the mom who is listening right now and is just constantly beating herself up and believing that if she tries harder, everything's going to be great or okay? I think what the Lord would want her to know is that whatever voice is shaming you and guilting you, that that's not him. That there is this very big difference. This is one of the sweetest things Jesus taught me when I was writing uh, Mom Set Free, that there is a really big difference between condemnation and conviction. And condemnation comes from the enemy. It's that voice that says, shame on you. You'll never get better. Who does something like that? How could you? How many more times will you? And it's interesting because those are the kinds of things we say to our kids when we're living out of condemnation, right? Because what we live in is what we live out. Mm. And so I know that voice of condemnation. And I know those expressions that I've used with my kids when I was misunderstanding God's grace. But the voice of conviction, that comes from the Holy Spirit. Yeah. That is a that is an invitation. It mm-hmm. is a repent, receive my mercy, run back to me, let me keep working in you. Mm-hmm. And so to that mom who's beating herself up and feeling awful, that's if it's condemnation, that's not from Jesus. If it's conviction, it's the Holy Spirit saying, you don't have to keep living under the power of whatever it is. Whatever that sin is, whatever that weakness is, it doesn't have to own you. It doesn't have to control you anymore. There is freedom. Jesus can break every chain. I would just encourage her to repent, to receive that mercy and to run to Jesus and to keep running back to him every day, every hour, you know, know. every Every minute, whatever the day brings. You know, I, I think there's maybe this misunderstanding that after so many times of going back to Jesus, he's like, really? You again? This sin again? Really? You know, and that's not him. You that's know? either there our is, own flesh or the enemy, right? Yeah, there is always, always, always more grace. And so mm-hmm. if you're beating yourself up, receive that mercy, receive his forgiveness, you know, worship him, you know, give him thanks and, and know that he's not done working in you mm-hmm. ever. He does not give up on us ever. Yeah. Well, and something that you do write about as we're talking about that voice of shame, it is something that I struggle with so much in my parenting. And part of that is 
I have that my own inner critic that's always so hard on myself. And I tend to do that so much with other people. But something that you write is punishment directed at the personhood of our children is shame inducing. And it will never reach our children's our children's hearts. Shane believes the lie that because I do unlovable things, I am therefore an unlovable person. But Jesus never confused the two. Jesus does not shame us, nor should we shame our children. Rather, we want to grow our children with corrective discipline, discipline that reflects God's holy discipline in our lives. And sometimes it does just feel so overwhelming, right, to make those corrections in our own parenting Um, What encouragement can you provide the mom or the dad who is listening, who knows they need to make some of those changes, those shifts from shaming to more of a corrective type discipline? Yeah, I mean, one of the things that one of the most helpful questions I've learned to ask myself when I want to punish, you know, that like that self-righteous place of like, I deserve to be angry, you deserve to be punished, right? Mm -hmm. Versus um, this requires discipline. Yeah. Right. This requires correction, training and discipline. Uh, one of the most helpful questions I've learned to ask myself is how can I reflect God's heart in this moment? Mm. How can I reflect his heart? How would God discipline me? Because the Bible says God disciplines those he loves. Yes. Right. Um, Jesus Christ took the punishment. The punishment has been has been taken care of. Jesus poured that punishment on the cross. But God disciplines us and we're called to discipline our children. Mm -hmm. And the only way we can really answer that question is if we know the heart of God. And so, again, it's just always this invitation to keep coming back to knowing his heart, to knowing him better so that in a situation we can say, how would God discipline me in this situation? I want to reflect his heart. You know, there are consequences to our actions. You know, there are. Right. So it's not like grace is not. I think the the tragedy with grace sometimes is that it's misunderstood as like this free for all. Just woo, lots of love. You know, it's all good. Right. Um, And that is not grace at all. Grace is always woven with the unconditional love of God. So even when there is consequences and correction, it doesn't carry that um, that shaming message. And. As you know, in Mom Set Free, I actually go very specifically through what is what is a language of shame mm-hmm. versus what is the language of grace. I try to, um, I wrestle with that myself so that I would learn the right language and then I shared it in the book. Yeah. What are shaming statements versus what are grace-infused statements mm-hmm. when it comes to correction and training? So there's some real specific things in the book and in the Bible study that I hope moms can have like real practical takeaways and yet I still think it's always, I never want to step over that line of there's, it's always the Holy Spirit, like literally, Lord, give me wisdom. Like he says, ask for wisdom and I will give it to you. So I'm really learning how to do that. I was in a situation with my son just the other day where he was going through something incredibly painful. And my husband is actually very natural. It, I'm like in awe of the way that he can speak into things in their life in such a natural way. It doesn't come as naturally for me. Right. And so I just, I was thinking to myself, man, I wish my husband was here right now. He could really speak into this thing for my son. But the Lord was like, "Uh uh-uh, ask for wisdom, woman. He gives generously to all without finding fault. Exactly. Thank you for quoting scripture. And it was almost like I was saying, Mike's not here for a reason. Because I just want you to ask me for wisdom. And I did. I just prayed quietly, Lord, give me wisdom. What do you want me to say to my son right now? And he did. He answered that prayer. It was Mm. beautiful. I think it's important to learn and identify what is shame and what is grace and, and what are those words that are attached to those things. But then also 
be constantly just asking the Lord for wisdom in those situations with our kids because he will generously provide. Well, and then something too that I've learned so much from my in-laws and from my husband is when we make those mistakes in parenting and let's say we parent from a shaming perspective, gosh, just go to your kids and say you're sorry. Amen. Just tell them you're sorry. Say this is not, mommy's a human too. I make mistakes. I need Jesus just like you need Jesus. And I'm sorry. Like, I just, it really goes a long way. It goes so long. I think right after the three words of I love you, those are the next three most important words parents can say to their kids. Amen. So I, I couldn't agree more. And I think one of the things that I have found when you, you know, back to your question about what are some of the things that I saw change in our home mm-hmm. is the Lord worked out his grace in my own life. And you just nailed it. It was the freedom to say, I am sorry. I was wrong. Please forgive me. Yeah. I was free to say those things to my kids. I no longer had to be their perfect example. Mm. Um, and what, what I love about that, one of the, I think one of the most beautiful benefits of a parent being willing to say, I'm sorry, is that it really frees up our kids to say, I'm sorry to us and to each other. Yeah. When they're in a home where parents are free to say, I'm sorry that I did that. Mm-hmm. You begin to watch your kids be willing to say to you, they no longer have to hide behind their sin. Of course, they're afraid of consequences. They don't want the consequences for the thing they did wrong. But I mean, we don't either. <laughs> right. We don't either. So we're not pro- exactly we're, we're not prone to want to say I'm sorry in situations where we know there would be consequences for us to, to, to confess our wrongdoing. And yet, you know, one of the things I talk about with my kids is, I want you to be honest with me about what you said and did to your brother. Not because, you know, I want to prove that I'm right and you're wrong, but because I don't want you to carry the guilt and shame that comes with not confessing your sin. Mm -hmm. Because here's the deal. Jesus already forgave you. Whatever you did or said to your brother that you're not confessing right now, that is forgiven. That is already forgiven. And so now you get to say, I did do that. And I can't believe I did that. And I wish I hadn't done that. And I'm sorry. Will there be consequences? Probably. But listen, there is. It's you do not want to carry guilt and shame, my friend. Trust me, as your mom at 44 years old, nothing right? comes from hiding sin. Yeah. Bring it out into the light. Let it go. Know it's forgiven, and let's move on. And so, we if we can frame it that way for our kids, it's already forgiven. Don't carry that guilt around. It's different than you better admit you did that. You know, I know, and he knows, and and you're going to be grounded till 2020. And right. you know. And listen, I can easily like creep back to, you know, like you're not going to oh, yeah. have a phone for a year if you don't admit it. So listen, I can say really stupid things as a mom, even though I know it's not helpful. But when we say I'm sorry, it invites our kids to say I'm sorry. Yeah. It, it, it really, I talk about this in Mom Set Free. How do we create a, an environment of confession, not perfection? Mm, I and love that. we want to have a house where we're free to confess our need for Jesus. Right. I do. Yes, I want a house where my kids feel completely free to say, I need Jesus. Desperately. And because the world is not teaching our kids to say, I need Jesus. Mm -mm. And so they need us in our homes to create that gospel centered view of, it's really the strong ones that can say, I need Jesus. You know, it takes courage to confess our human weakness and our human need. And then in that place, his strength and his grace really is manifested. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's talk a little bit. I mean, we have talked a little bit about mom set free, but let's say, you know, someone is like, yes, this sounds like a book and a study I'd really love to do. What can they expect? Like how long is the study? Uh, Maybe what are some of the chapter themes just so people would know? So the study is a seven week Bible study. Okay. 
you can do it. A lot of people do it individually, or you can do it in, in groups of 10 or groups of 200. So it's really written to be done in any manner. Um, there's also, I did about, I did a video for each week. So it's about 10 minutes where I kind of review the homework from the previous week and I talk about the forthcoming week. So you can do the videos if you want. And then there's in between each study or in between each, in each gathering is four weeks of homework. And I don't like the word homework, really diving deep into the Bible. Yeah. Time for reflection, seeing what scripture says, time for prayer. Um, and every fifth day is a prayer activity because right. we do our best parenting through prayer. Mm. So we can we can read all the books we want to read and we can get all the tools we want to get. But Amen. never more convinced as they get older uh, and more independent that we do our very best parenting through prayer. Um, and God can do far more through our prayers than we can do through our, you know, orchestrating of their lives. But I think if you're going to do it and in the book too, I mean, it's not a Bible study, but the theme is obviously incredibly similar in the book. You're getting more personal stories and more application. I think where in the Bible study, it's really about the power of God's word and diving into what God says and, and an invitation to, to learn more about that because there's no more powerful place than God's word. But we go through the pressures, really. There, there's so many pressures. I think we actually don't even as moms realize how much pressure we're under. That's the crazy thing. When I started writing it, I was like, oh my gosh, no wonder I'm a lunatic. I know. There's, we're under so much pressure and we're not really talking about all of it. The pressure, it's not just the pressure to be a perfect example. It's the pressure we think to create a vibrant faith within our kids. And the key word being create. It's not, we don't create it. We get to plant seeds, but we don't get to produce oh, the food. I love that. That's good for me, too. Right? So there's this pressure to protect them from hardship and suffering. There's a pressure to perfectly orchestrate their futures, right? It starts with, you know, getting them into the right preschool so they can go to the right elementary school so they can blah, 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 right? So they can go to the right college. So, And we think that's all on us, that, per, that, that we have to orchestrate their futures. And it's not on us. So there's all these pressures that we... Um, you know, the pressure to protect them from ungodly influence. Yes, we have to make really smart decisions around what we right. allow their hearts and eyes to experience, but but we are not their savior. And so I think one of the things that I think moms have said has been the most meaningful for them is just recognizing that there are all these pressures that they didn't even realize they were under. Yeah. And so what we do is we bring them out into the light. We expose them. And, and then we speak God's truth over them. For every pressure, there is a promise. Oh, and every yeah. promise in God is yes, and Jesus is yes and amen. So, and then we actually, we kind of stop there in the middle of the book, in the middle of the study is about, it, it really has nothing to do with parenting at all. We take a couple of weeks and we just look at our own hearts. Do well, we, and that do does we, have so much to do with parenting, right? Because <laughs> we I parent mean, out of what's inside of us. Totally. What we live in is what we parent out. And so we push the pause button and we say, okay, let's, let's look at, let's invite God to do, do we really understand freedom and grace and shame in our own lives? Are we still carrying shame from our past into our parenting, which is what I was doing. Yeah. And so that was overflowing onto my kids. So it's an invitation to just look into our own hearts and our own lives and our own beliefs about God's grace and God's love and God's sovereignty over our own lives. And then the third section is now the outworking of that. Okay, now that we have invited God to really do some work in our own hearts, now let's look at the outworking of that in our parenting right. and how we can be intentional at grace and freedom being an overflow. You know, my friend who wrote the forward 
um, talked about how as moms set free, then we're empowered to be to raise kids set free. Because mm-hmm. isn't that what we want? We want to raise kids who are set free from the pressure to get it all right. 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 I mean, we are literally it's an anxiety ec- epidemic. Oh, I mean, it's insane. Under, under and it's not getting better anytime soon. No, it's not. And so our kids are carrying this pressure of performance in school and on the field. And in our homes, mm-hmm. even to be good enough Christians, good enough Christian kids or good enough performers in our home. And, and we want them to be free from that. So the third section is really looking at how do we raise kids set free? And so the Bible study in the book follow that same flow. Uh, they're just a little bit different in how you would experience it. Yeah. Well, and so do people typically do them both together? Do they read the book, do the week study or has it been, have you experienced it's been pretty separate? You know, it's funny that you ask that question now more than ever, having now they've been out for two years, I'm getting that question almost daily, either on Instagram or through my website. How do they work together? So I'm really glad you asked it. I'd love to answer it, which is the books are not dependent on each other, but they complement each other. Gotcha. So you can absolutely do just the Bible study or just the book, Um, but they were written in a way that they complement each other. So there's not a lot of content overlap, but where there is overlap, we thought it was important enough to, to read it in both places. Yep. People who've done it together have by and large said they really, it really enhances the experience to yeah. do both. And the way we wrote it is that the first section of mom set free aligns with week one and week two of the Bible study. Okay. And then the second section of mom set free aligns with week three and four of the Bible study. And then the third section of mom set free in the book aligns with week five and six of the Bible study. And then week seven is the wrap up. So they go together, but they do not have to be, they do not have to be done. You know, I know moms are like, I only have so much time to read so many books, right? So if I had to pick one or the other, you know, you could totally do one or the other and get a, and get a complete and full experience. Absolutely. Well, we typically end our show with a few questions. And so as we're talking about grace, um, we all experience grace in our life every day, but there are certainly seasons or specific times where we cling to that grace all the more tightly. Do you have, you know, a season or an incident in your life where you feel like you really could do nothing but cling to the grace of God? Oh, girl, I feel like that every day. I'm not kidding. I'm not just saying that. I'm really you not. You have five boys. <laughs> I know. I really, I mean, yesterday I needed grace trying to get everybody out the door for church. I wasn't my best self. Isn't that funny how the enemy likes to disrupt our Sunday mornings? Almost um, always. Yeah. I mean, I, I can think of things like, you know, stories that I tell in the book of seasons where, again, we talked about it, but just where I was, you know, using shaming language with the kids because I was, uh, had not received the forgiveness of Jesus for my own sins and weaknesses. Um, but I, I really, my, my honest answer is every day. Yeah. I think there's this misunderstanding about growing in the Christian faith, which is um, being a Christian is about getting stronger and better. That that's sanctification. That sanctification is getting stronger and better. And what I have come to understand through teachers, brilliant teachers like Tim Keller and Beth Moore and people who really, Brendan Manning, yes, is that sanctification is not about getting stronger and better. It's about becoming more and more aware of our need for the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That's actually sanctification, becoming more aware of, Mm -hmm. of his presence and his power in our lives. And really realizing just how weak we are. Yeah. That's a good thing. Yeah. (laughs) Because Because that does make you reliant upon God's grace. 
It does. And his, uh, there's a verse in the Bible, I can't remember where it is, where it talks about God's weakness is greater than our, than human strengths. Mm-hmm. Like that you can't even, like if there was a weakness, like, right, that, that even that is far beyond whatever human strength we could ever bring to the table. And so for moms who are feeling like, you know, this is about getting stronger and better. It's not, that's not the Christian faith. It's about becoming ever more reliant on the strength and the kindness of God and getting really okay with confessing how much you need that all the time. Well, and this may go right along with it, but if you had the opportunity to sit down with your great-grandchildren and offer them some wisdom, what's something that you would like to say to them? Mm, Jesus is better. Amen. That's really the message I'm trying to to make more central in my home right now. Whatever it is that the world is telling you is better. Jesus is better. He's, he's just better. Yeah. Then every, every good thing this world wants to tell you will fill you up and make you satisfied that fulfillment only comes in, in Jesus. Mm, I love it. Well, tell our listeners, where can we connect with you on social media, on your website? Share that with our listeners. Um, everything is Jeannie Cunyon. So Instagram and Facebook is just at Jeannie Cunyon. Uh, my website is JeannieCunyon.com. Yay. Makes it so yeah. easy. Yeah, <laughs> it, it does. Right. And I, I truly do love hearing from people who listen to podcasts. Um, it's funny, I, uh, you know, I'll get messages and people say, you said you like hearing from us. So here I am. And I do respond. I respond to every single one of them. So I love that. if there's something that we talked about today that you're curious about, or you just want to say hi, or thank you, or I don't understand, you know, find me on Instagram and, and send me a message. I, I love hearing from people who listen to podcasts. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here today, Jeannie, even though we ha- it's, it is real life because we both had our little three-year-olds interrupt us. So thank yeah. you so much. Uh, it's my pleasure. Well, it was great talking with you today. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Resources, links, and quotes from today's conversation can be found at graceenoughpodcast.com under the show notes tab. If you are enjoying the show, I would like to ask you a few favors. Number one, make sure you are subscribed to the podcast. You can head over to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, and iHeartRadio. Clicking that subscribe button helps to make sure you never miss a new episode of the podcast. Number two, if you enjoy the show, would you take a moment to leave a review on iTunes? Those reviews help me to know how the show is impacting you. And number three, the best way to grow is for people like you to share it with your friends. Will you share your favorite Grace Enough podcast episode via text, email, or social media? Again, I'm so grateful for each one of you who listen week in and week out. Thank you for listening to the Grace Enough podcast. Tune in next time. This episode was brought to you in part by the Table Podcast at Dallas Theological Seminary. Listen to rotating hosts discuss issues of God and culture to demonstrate theology's relevance in everyday life. Find it on your podcast app. For videos and more, visit dts.edu podcast.